0: Chapter Two Part Two of the Black Box by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Apartment House Mystery. Part Two. Lord Ashley, who in many respects was a typical Englishman of his class, had a constitutional affection for small ceremonies, an affection nurtured by his position as chairman of the county magistrates and president of the local Unionists' association. After dinner that evening, a meal, which was served in the smaller library, he cleared his throat and filled his glass with wine. His manner, as he addressed his wife and daughter, was almost official. "'I am to take it, I believe,' he began that you have finally decided, Ella, to embrace our friend Delray's suggestion and leave us on Saturday for New York. "'If you please,' Ella murmured, with glowing eyes, "'I can't tell you how grateful I am "'to you both for letting me go.' "'It's naturally a wrench to us,' Lord Ashley confessed, "'especially as circumstances, which you already know of, "'prevent either your mother or myself,' from being with you during the first few months of your stay there. You have very many friends in New York, however, and your mother tells me that there will be no difficulty about your chaperonage at various social functions, to which you will, of course, be bidden. I think that will be all right, Dad, Ella ventured. You will take your own maid with you, of course, Lord Ashley continued. Lenora is a good girl. And I am sure she will look after you quite well. But I have decided, although it is somewhat an unusual step, to supplement Lenora's surveillance over your comfort by sending with you also, as a sort of courier and general attendant, whom do you think? Well, MacDougall. Lady Ashley looked across the table with knitted brows. MacDougall, George why however will you spare him we can easily lord ashley declared find a temporary butler Macdougall has lived in new york for some years and you will doubtless find this a great advantage ella i hope that my suggestion pleases you ella glanced over her shoulder at the two servants who were standing discreetly in the background her eyes rested upon the pale expressionless face of the man who during the last few years had enjoyed her father's absolute confidence. Like many others of his class, there seemed to be so little upon which to comment in his appearance, so little room for surmise or analysis in his quiet, negative features, his studiously low voice, his unexceptionable deportment. Yet for a moment A queer sense of apprehension troubled her. Was it true, she wondered, that she did not like the man? She banished the thought almost as soon as it was conceived. The idea was absurd. His manner toward her had always been perfectly respectful. He seemed equally devoid of sex of character. She withdrew her gaze and turned once more towards her father do you think that you can really spare him daddy she asked and that it will be necessary not altogether necessary i dare say lord ashley admitted on the other hand i feel sure that you will find him a comfort and it would be rather a relief to me to know that there is someone in touch with you all the time in whom i place absolute confidence i dare say I shall be very glad to see him back again at the end of the year. But that is neither here nor there. Mr. Delaray has sent me the name of some bankers in New York who will honor your checks for whatever money you may require. You are spoiling me, Daddy, Ella sighed. Lord Ashley smiled. His hand had disappeared into the pocket of his dinner coat. If you think so now, he remarked, I DO NOT KNOW WHAT YOU WILL SAY TO ME PRESENTLY. WHAT I AM DOING NOW, ELLA, I AM DOING WITH YOUR MOTHER'S SANCTION, AND YOU MUST ASSOCIATE HER WITH A GIFT WHICH I AM GOING TO PLACE IN YOUR KEEPING. THE HAND WAS SLOWLY WITHDRAWN FROM HIS POCKET. HE LAID UPON THE TABLE A VERY FAMILIAR, Morocco CASE STAMPED WITH A CORONET. EVEN BEFORE HE TOUCHED THE SPRING AND THE TOP FLEW OPEN, ELLA KNEW WHAT WAS COMING. "'Are diamonds?' she exclaimed. "'The Ashley diamonds?' The necklace lay exposed to view, the wonderful stones flashing in the subdued light. Ella gazed at it speechless. "'In New York,' Lord Ashley continued, "'it is the custom to wear jewelry in public more "'even than in this country. "'The family pearls, which I myself "'should have thought more suitable,' "'went, as you know, to your elder sister upon her marriage. "'I am not rich enough to invest large sums of money "'in the purchase of precious stones. "'Yet, on the other hand, your mother and I feel "'that if you are to wear jewels at all, "'we should like you to wear something of historic value, "'jewels which are associated with the history of your own house. "'Allow me.' "'He leaned forward.' With long, capable fingers, he fastened a necklace around his daughter's neck. It fell upon her bosom, sparkling. A little circular stream of fire against the background of her smooth, white skin. Ella could scarcely speak. Her fingers caressed the jewels. "'It is our farewell present to you,' Lord Ashley declared. "'I need not beg you to take care of them. I do not wish to dwell upon their value.' Money means, naturally, little to you, and when I tell you that a firm in London offered me sixty thousand pounds for them, for an American client, I only mention it so that you may understand that they are likely to be appreciated in the country to which you are going. She clasped his hands. Father, she cried, you are too good to me. It is all too wonderful. I shall be afraid to wear them. "'Lord Ashley smiled reassuringly. "'My dear,' he said, "'you'll be quite safe. "'I should advise you to keep them, as a rule, "'in the strong-box which you will doubtless find in the hotel "'to which you are going. "'But for all ordinary occasions you need feel, "'I am convinced, no apprehension. "'You can understand now, I dare say, "'another reason why... I am sending MacDougall with you as well as Lenora. Ella, impelled by some curious impulse which she could not quite understand, glanced quickly around to where the man-servant was standing. For once she caught him unawares. For once, for once she saw something besides the perfect automaton. His eyes, instead of being fixed at the back of his master's chair, were simply riveted upon the stones his mouth was a little indrawn to her there was a curious change in his expression his cheekbones seemed to have become higher the pupil of his eyes had narrowed even while she looked at him he moistened a little his dry lips with the tip of his tongue then as though conscious of her observation all these things vanished HE ADVANCED TO THE TABLE, RESPECTFULLY, REFILLED HIS MASTER'S GLASS FROM THE DECANTER OF PORT, AND RETREATED AGAIN. ELLA WITHDREW HER EYES. A QUEER LITTLE FEELING OF UNEASINESS DISTURBED HER FOR THE MOMENT. IT PASSED, HOWEVER, AS IN GLANCING AWAY HER ATTRACTION WAS ONCE MORE ATTRACTED BY THE SPARKLE OF THE JEWELS UPON HER BOSOM. LORD ASHLEY RAISED HIS GLASS. "'Our love to you, dear,' he said. "'Take care of the jewels, but take more care of yourself. "'Your mother and I will come to New York as soon as we can. "'In the meantime, don't forget us amidst the hosts of your new friends "'and the joy of your new life.' "'She gave them each a hand. "'She stooped first to one side and then to the other, "'kissing them both tenderly.' "'I shall never forget,' she exclaimed, her voice breaking a little. "'There could never be anyone else in the world like you two. And please, may I go to the looking-glass?' End of part two of chapter two